Welcome back to another great episode of the Air Power Hour. Tech Sergeant Check here. On today's episode, my guest is Master Sergeant Jason Madigan, the in-service recruiter for the Air Force Reserves at MacDill Air Force Base in Tampa, Florida. I had the pleasure of being office partners with Sergeant Madigan while in recruiting, and we quickly became lifelong brothers. From being born in New Zealand to moving and enlisting into the Air Force as an active duty member in Mishawaka, Indiana, Sergeant Madigan started his career as a firefighter. While stationed in England, Honduras, and Panama City Beach, Florida, Sergeant Madigan learned that leading with your best foot forward and having a positive outlook on life allowed him to have an amazing career in the Air Force. It was an absolute pleasure to have Sergeant Madigan on, and his story is a great one, with a lot of twists and turns. It's always great to sit down with my buddy. So, without further ado, Master Sergeant Jason Madigan. To all units, proceed to your post assignment. To all units, proceed to your post assignment. Welcome to the Air Power Hour. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Air Power Hour. Tech Sergeant Check here, and today I am joined by the in-service recruiter at MacDill Air Force Base, Tampa, Florida, Master Sergeant Jason Madigan. Sergeant Madigan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hey, it's an honor to be here, Sergeant Check. Yeah, and uh, we have a little bit of a history. You know, I know you're the in-service recruiter down at MacDill, and I'm all the way up here in Milwaukee, but uh, we're actually very close friends, and uh, we had some recruiting um, paths cross, I guess. We were We were office partners for a while. Yeah, we were. I mean, we both were incredibly lucky. I know me as a brand new recruiter and uh, you as a seasoned EA recruiter in Mishawaka, Indiana. I think that uh, fate had our past cross and uh, we definitely fed off each other's energy. And I couldn't think of a better duo between us two in the office. Yeah. And I cannot tell you how amazing it was, you know, because sometimes recruiters get stuck in an office by themselves. And it's difficult when you are in the military in the air force specifically, and you're surrounded by brothers and wingmen and, you know, sisters and all these people that you work together with. And then they, they stick you out in the middle of nowhere with no base and you're all by yeah. yourself. And, uh, it was just an absolute blessing to have you come in and, and become my office partner because, you know, we just clicked and, uh, the rest is history. I, it was a one in 100. I think, uh, the man upstairs and big air force definitely got it right when they put, uh, you and I together. And I think you hit the nail on the head with, recruiting it's a great job but it can definitely be kind of lonely because you know i know you were prior air trans a port dog and me being a firefighter we both thrived off that camaraderie and then we into an office and if i would have went solo it would have been a kind of a different outcome i had you to kind of lift me up and show me the ropes and uh definitely thankful for it yeah for sure so now you're an in-service recruiter now um and a lot of people might be like what the heck is an in-service recruiter um, can you tell us a little bit about what, what that job entails? Yeah, I'll give you the layman's term, uh, definition of it. So I'm the in-service recruiter for McDill Air Force Base. I recruit all active duty separatees, uh, that are separating this base, getting out at the end of their contract officers and enlisted. And, uh, my job is to sit down with them and talk about the Air Force Reserve and how they can continue their service, uh, at a part-time capacity within the Air Force Reserve. Okay. I can put them in the world. Nice. So you are a member of the Air Force Reserves then? Yes, sir. Yep, that's right. So I was active duty uh, with you, and then I flipped over into uh, 
what's called the AGR, Active Garter Reserve position. So I'm on Title 10 orders, same pay, benefits, uh, retirement is active duty, and I am full-time in the Air Force Reserve. Nice. That's awesome. Now, uh, I know that your story, that is just a part of your story, but what I want to do is I want to backtrack a little bit. And I want to hear the story of Jason Madigan and uh, how this whole thing started off. So uh, can you can you explain or, or tell us about how or why you decided to join the Air Force? Yeah, so I was, uh, I think, halfway through my senior year at uh, Marion High School in Mishawaka, Indiana, in uh, northern Indiana. And I got accepted to IU, Indiana University, Ball State, uh, a couple local schools around there. And I wanted to go to college, but I just felt like there was something more exciting, you know, bigger that I could do. And thank God I had an older brother that kind of paved the way for me. Uh, my older brother was in the Air Force uh, for seven years. And I remember I'd go see him, you know, when I was on leave, when he was stationed overseas in England or stateside. And I'd go see him. And I just remember the camaraderie and the group of friends that he had and the experience that it really hit home that I think the Air Force would be a great option for me. So I went and talked to a recruiter. Coincidentally enough, in the recruiter in the office that you recruited out of, nice. Uh, and I went and talked with uh, Sergeant Kimberly Denoff, and uh, she sat me down and we talked about the Air Force. And I said, you know what? I think that this is what I want to do. I want to get out and I want to see the world. Um, I wanted to get my education, uh, but you know, student loans are kind of high. And my dad was like, hey, you know, I'll help you pay for some of it, uh, but you got to be responsible for the other half. And so. I said, you know what? I think I'm going to join the Air Force. And uh, I went through MEPS and then I sat down with uh, my recruiter and did my uh, dream sheet or my job counseling. And um, I felt like I hit the lottery. I got my number one job of being a firefighter. Yeah. And uh, I went to, I shipped to basic training on uh, September 11th, 2006. Uh, went to basic training and then I went to tech school at uh, Lewis F. Garland Fire Academy. I was there for, about four to five month long uh, tech school. And uh, it was awesome. And they kicked the crap out of you physically and mentally. I couldn't think of a, a better job for a young, uh, you know, 18, 19 year old uh, coming fresh out of high school and uh, did that. And then I went to my first duty assignment overseas at uh, RAF Lake and Heath in mm-hmm. England. Nice. So you said that you joined on September 11th. Yep, that's right. So that means your anniversary is every year on that day yeah that's correct well it's technically the 12th i, I joined on the 11th okay i am probably in on the on the 12th but yeah it's close it's really significant i mean that's something that's a nice little reminder of, of what you're doing on a yearly basis um obviously because of september 11th and the the tragic events that happened on that day so it's a nice reminder of what you're doing for this country yeah thank you it's it was purely coincidental i didn't plan it at all it was just Another one of those things in my amazing career, you know, that's just another mark of, you know, I'm on the right path and I'm meant to be doing this. Yeah. I, I mean, Hey, I can, I can say that, uh, I have an interesting anniversary as well. It's actually my birthday, uh, my air force anniversary. I joined basic training. The first day of basic training was on my 20th birthday. So how did I not know we've known each other for eight, nine years now? And I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah. So I can retire on my 40th birthday. Like a Holy cow. Cool. Yeah. Uh, didn't get to celebrate that 20th though, but it's <laughs> all right. Um, you got the 21st the year after. Where was your first base at? Dover Air Force Base. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
So you are a firefighter now, and uh, you're rip-roaring and ready to go. You're off at RAF Lake and Heath, which is over in England, correct? Yeah, it's about, uh, if I recall, it's like an hour and a half, uh, like 60 miles away from downtown London. Nice. And how was your experience as a firefighter in the Air Force? I loved it. Um, I, I knew what normal firefighters did in my hometown. I had a couple of buddies and uh, people around my neighborhood that I knew as firefighters. They just mainly do structural, medical, um, you know, very like maybe some hazmat. Uh, but the Air Force, we're like a Swiss Army knife. Um, we do your normal structural firefighting, which is all of the uh, base, the houses, you know, commissary, all the buildings, everything like that. And then our main mission is airport rescue firefighting, known as ARF, which uh, obviously at most Air Force bases, there's a, a runway on it. And we are charged with uh, protecting all of the assets that uh, the Air Force puts a lot of money into, into our planes and all of the different things on the flight line. And then we also uh, respond uh, to medical. Uh, everybody gets EMR, uh, emergency responder in tech school. And then I got, uh, when I was at Tyndall Air Force Base, I got my EMT, uh, emergency medical technician. The Air Force paid for all that. Uh, wildland firefighting as well. Uh, we responded off base to uh, wildland fires when I was in Honduras and in Florida. And then lastly is uh, hazmat, hazardous materials, any type of spills, stuff like that, that we can respond wow. to. Yeah. So you said you went to uh, Honduras. Was that a deployment? Uh, it's not a deployment. Uh, it's a remote tour. I did my oh. one year there at, uh, Soto Cano Honduras. Wow. As a firefighter. Yep. That's right. There's uh it's actually an army base and that's another great thing about air force and, uh, firefighting is you don't just have to be stationed at, at air force base. So a lot of the first responders like security forces, medics, firefighters, we can go to different, uh, co-locations and, it was an army base and down there uh, we provided all of the structural and the uh, airport our air, airport rescue firefighting uh, capabilities for that base. I was down there for a year. It was probably one of the coolest years of my life down there. Yeah. I mean, you're in the jungle. That's you, you probably have some, some pretty cool stories from Honduras. Yeah, I got a, I got a good one. I think I might've told you this one about uh, going out uh, in the middle of the night in the jungle with the Blackhawk. Did I ever tell you that story? I think you had mentioned something like that, but you got to tell our listeners because it's really good. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, I think I was 20 or no, I think I was 21 years old. I got stationed down in uh, Honduras, I did my two years in England. And then I got to Honduras and Honduras is such a cool base. Uh, it's counter narcoterrorism uh, down there is the mission. And so they're all over uh, Central America. It's actually JTF Southcom. And the, opportunities that we had is they have all of the Blackhawks down there. So with the uh, army, they have what's called warrant officers, which are officers that are kind of like a hybrid. They're not a straight commission, like a second Lieutenant captain, so on and so forth. You have these uh, warrant officers and we got in really good with them with training. And they said, Hey, uh, Airman Madigan, we like you a lot. You want to go out and do some missions with us. We could use you as a, uh, a person that we could use to go up and down in the harness in the Blackhawk. And I said, yeah, that sounds sweet. I'll go out and do it. Hmm. And so they said, meet us on the flight line at a uh, zero dark 30 at zero 400. Right. And make sure you have your dog tags on I said, copy. Yep. Be there. And so we go that out there. It's pitch black and uh, we fly out to the jungle 
and you had had a co-pilot who was uh, working on his instrument, uh, like night vision goggles training. And so he was flying out there on the helicopter and he had the main pilot, uh, the chief pilot evaluating him. And he had to, without using any of his GPS, he had to use uh, like the topography, like the laying of the land with the night vision goggles to uh, drop us off and then leave and then come back only using the night vision goggles. And so me and uh, one of my best friends went down in the uh, hoist and it was something out of a movie. Uh, The top of the rainforest split open and we went right down in the hoist and it was just us two. They said, yeah, we'll be back in about 20 minutes. And they flew off and uh, you could, you could hear them for a little bit and then you could feel the rotor going through the air. And then that stopped. And it was probably the darkest and loudest, uh, experience of my life because that forest canopy kind of shut and it was pitch black but you had everything from monkeys to parrots making noise in the middle of the night and uh i could just see the guy that was next to me and it was 20 minutes but it felt like every bit of about an hour that that black hawk came back out and dropped its hoist and uh picked us up so super cool experience yeah that's crazy oh man i couldn't imagine did you have to like hold on to the guy so you don't lose him your your partner yeah so they they bring us down in the so there's a a pilot a co-pilot and then kind of like a a crew chief um a maintenance he operates the lift and all that he flies with the blackhawk and he put it down and controlled the hoist but i mean man you're you're every bit of 75 80 feet above getting hoisted down to the ground it was a really awesome experience uncheck dang that's that's wild so now where do you go after you're finished with Honduras? Yeah, so I got what the Air Force calls a uh, a base of preference. So a lot of the new listeners, um, if you kind of take a hard-to-fill assignment or a sh- uh, short tour like that, you can get what's called the overseas base of preference. And so I put down the list of the top bases that I'd like to go to after Honduras. And uh, I got my number one. It was Tyndall Air Force Base in beautiful Panama City Beach, Florida. Now, why did you, why was that number one for you being a kid from Northern Indiana? Why was Tyndall uh, your first choice? So I was fortunate enough. I went down there uh, one year with uh, a couple of my buddies. We went down uh, to spring break and I saw how Panama City Beach was. I mean, just probably the most beautiful beach on there along the Gulf uh, Way. Fishing, uh, summer, nine, 10 months out of the year. And uh, the cost of living wasn't too bad. And so I put in for it. And uh, I, they had also another thing is they had the F-22 Raptors, mm-hmm. which is the fighter jet that we have. And I was always really fascinated with that. I'd never been able to work with it. And uh, it was at Tyndall. Nice. That's awesome. So you go to Tyndall and you're doing firefighting still, right? And yep. uh, how long were you at Tyndall? Uh, let me look at my plaque here. 2010. I got to Tyndall March 2010. And I left in June of 2015 into recruiting. Nice. And uh, obviously you met someone pretty special in, in, in Florida, correct? That's right. It's the best thing to ever happen to me. Uh, yeah. I my beautiful wife, uh, Brittany Madigan, and uh, with mother of two, we have two little girls, Everly and Vera. And uh, I was fortunate enough to meet the best thing that ever could happen to me and my wife. I met her down when I was a firefighter at Tyndall. Um, she was working in Panama City Beach, and we met and got married in Panama City. Yeah, shout out to Brittany. She is amazing. Um, 
Yeah, we, um, my wife and I, we just love your family. So, um, yeah, big shout out to to uh, Mrs. Madigan. So, on the topic of that, though, um, so she's originally from Florida, obviously, and you have gone to many other places since then. Um, how has it been for your family and and your wife Brittany being a part of this journey? It's it's been great. Um, I always say a huge shout out to all of the military spouses, uh, all the husbands and the wives that we have. They they ultimately have the hard job, right? We go do our job and we kind of leave at a moment's notice and go where we need to go. But the spouses and that support system, they're there whenever the military member is gone and, and they're holding the fort down. So just a huge shout out to all of the uh, military spouses all throughout the world. Uh, to answer your question, it's been great. I mean, my wife is really... Um, love the Air Force family. I mean, just like, you know, Carla, your wife knows that there's so many other families. And whenever we're stationed at, at places like this, away from our hometowns, our family, we bond really well with the people that we work with and all of their family that they have. And we become each other's support systems. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think we had some amazing times in, in Mishawaka when we were all together and, you know, I, I have to credit Brittany with she's part of the reason why I'm actually with my wife because uh, she wanted to hang out with Carla and, and I was fortunately uh, a part of that. So that is awesome. And I couldn't agree more about the support system for sure. So you get a lot out of Tyndall, a lot of experience. You're a top dog firefighter. You've got a beautiful wife and then things change, right? Things change. That's right. Yeah. So we are, we're always taught to adapt and overcome. You got, um, you were part of the direct special duty into recruiting. And uh, yep. we've, we've talked about that a lot on this podcast. Um, but what I want to know is well, what was your thought process when you were notified that you were going to be switching career fields? Uh, honestly, you hit it nail on the head that in the military, you know, we always got to figure out how to adapt and overcome, right? Because not everything's going to go our way. You know, what do we do in the moment where we need to make a decision and the thing that we want to do isn't part of that decision? And I got an email um, from headquarters uh, that recruiting that I was uh, outlined and identified for developmental special duty. And I was a staff sergeant at the time. And I loved everything about firefighting. You know, I wanted to go be an assistant chief, maybe a deputy chief. You know, I wanted to work my way all the way up to the top uh, because my heart was really in firefighting. And I got that email and I, I went and I, I told my wife and I said, hey, we just got uh, voluntold for recruiting. And she's like, okay, well, what do you think about it? And I was like, I, I don't know, Brittany. Uh, I love firefighting so much. I guess I've never thought about it. And if I'm being completely honest with you, at first I, I didn't want to do recruiting, but I had some really great mentors in the fire academy, uh, my older brother, my family. And they said, hey, Jason, they wouldn't put you in a position if they didn't think that you could succeed. And uh, I talked to a lot of people that I'd worked with and they said, we think that you'd be an amazing recruiter and just give it a try. And I was already halfway through. I think it was at nine years, maybe 10 years in the Air Force when that happened. And uh, I said, you know what, let me put my best forward foot uh, forward and just make the leap. It's a leap of faith. And. I did it. And it's another coincidence that has happened with my career that shows that I was meant to be here out of all of the locations I could have went and recruited at Mishawaka, Indiana was on my list. 
And I told my wife, I told my family, I said, well, and this is out of, you know, 50 bases at uh, recruiting school uh, that I could choose from. I said, nobody else is putting in for Mishawaka, Indiana as their number one. I'd highly doubt it. And yeah. sure enough, a couple of weeks later, we got Mishawaka, Indiana. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough. I met you. Um, you showed me everything about recruiting. We had an amazing time. Uh, we changed a lot of people's lives. But we had a lot of fun while we were there. And um, it, it everything happened for a reason. That I love being a firefighter, but I was meant to be a recruiter. Um, it's just such an amazing job of, you know, and, and you can talk about it, Sergeant Chuck, too, of, you get these people that come in and they're not sure what they want to do and they know that they have a bigger purpose in life and you help them find a way you help them find, you know, what they're looking for. And then they come back from basic training and tech school. And I remember clearly you put in a combat controller and uh, he came back on rap and just how proud of uh, him, you or how proud of him you were when he came back and just seeing that change and how proud he was in himself and his family that's what makes this entire job worth it. And it's, it's truly one of the best jobs in the world, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, I agree. And I definitely agree. We had a good time doing it. Um, you know, I still remember the the awesome times we had in our office where we're just, you know, goofing around and, and laughing and having a good time. And um, yeah, those were, those were good days. And, and you're right. We were changing people's lives, which was a phenomenal feeling. Um, and to have the power to be able to do that was, was great. So you are a recruiter for four years in the active duty and then three years of what, what happens after that? I mean, I know that you've made some pretty big changes. Yeah. So I was uh, an EA enlisted as sessions, active duty recruiter in Mishawaka, Indiana. I think after my first year, um, you went to Charleston, UPCS, if, if I recall correctly, right? Yes. And then I got another uh, amazing office partner, uh, Sergeant Joshua Wood did amazing things there out of that office. And, uh, I, I loved it. I had a, a great, um, relationship with my active duty, uh, squadron, the three thirty ninth, Um, and I had a, an even better opportunity come up with the air force reserve, the, uh, it, the line recruiter, which is an EA recruiter, basically the guy next door, um, master and Brad Wiedemann retired. And, uh, he said, Hey, have you ever thought about putting in for this assignment? And I was like, well, you know, Sergeant Wiedemann, I, I don't think so because I don't want to wait until I'm 60 years old to get my retirement, you know. Yeah. I've already got years vested in. And he explained to me the uh, how the Air Force AGR, Air Force Reserve uh, AGR system works. And he's like, it's same pay benefits and, you know, your Title 10 orders, active duty, you can collect your retirement, same high three. And uh, you could stay here, you know, for another couple of years. And me being back home, we bought a house. I was around family. We were trying to start our own family. I just felt like it was another sign. And uh, I put in for it. I interviewed with the Air Force Reserve uh, recruiting team, and I let my commander know on active duty. And he was fully supportive of it. And he said, you know, you, you did your three years with us, and we would love to see you um, work with the Air Force Reserve. And they signed my release. And I flipped over in 2017 uh, from the active duty office to then recruiting over for the Air Force Reserve office right next door. Nice. And so you've been doing that for, for six years and obviously now you're an in-service recruiter at McDill. So you have moved, um, and you're back yep. in Florida, which is awesome because you know, your wife is from Florida and you don't have to be a part of the winter anymore, uh, which is nice. But how has the, that's a big decision to make, to move from active duty 
over yep. to the reserves. Um, how has it been for you? And and you know what you speak to some of the benefits of of doing that for the Air Force Reserves. It, it's probably one of the hardest decisions I've ever made in my life. I mean, it wasn't a decision I made overnight. You know, I was talking with my commander, uh, our superintendent we had out there, a um, whole bunch of really good mentors. And the thing that I value the most is they said, hey, you've given us everything that you could. We want to help you make a decision that's best for you and your family. And they really looked out for me. And uh, I, I flipped over to the Air Force Reserve and it was, it was an adjustment um, in terms of recruiting because it, it was it was a change of going to recruit somebody full-time to then recruiting somebody part-time. Yeah. Um, definitely has some pros and cons. Um, you know, one of the pros is for all the people that were wanting to go right in to knock out, you know, their education, I could definitely cater towards them and get them in high school and be like, hey, you can go serve your country and then come back and be here full-time and do it one week in a month and go to school full-time. Um, but overall, it's, it's been a really amazing experience. I was a line recruiter in Indiana, recruiting uh, traditional reservists. And then I went to Fairchild Air Force Base in uh, Spokane, Washington. And I was out there for just under three years, which that part of the country is beautiful. We had such a great time out there. And then I PCS'd uh, here down to McDeal about a year ago. And it's the Air Force is a family. I don't care if you're active duty, you're reserve, or you're in the guard, right? It doesn't say on our name tag right now, United States Air Force, United States Air Force Reserve or Air Guard. It says United States Air Force, and we're one big family. And that's the great thing is we have three different branches that you can go into, and um, it's it's just a, a great thing to recruit for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, here on the Air Power Hour, we're all about total force. Yep. So that was one of the big reasons why I wanted to have you come on because I wanted to get that reserve aspect of, of not only recruiting, but also just the way of life. And, you know, you, you spoke to it that they, you know, one weekend a month they're doing training and it's not full time. Um, so there are a lot of people out there that, that have no idea. Uh, I was one of them. I had no idea that we had a reserve component or a guard component for the air force. So it, it is good to get that information out there. Yeah. I remember I was in basic training and, uh, I had a bunk mate and he's like, I'm getting stationed in uh, Miami in Homestead. And I said, man, I filled out my dream sheet. I didn't see Miami on that list. And he's like, no, I'm in the reserve. <laughs> I, I said, well, what's the reserve? He said, I, after I go to uh, basic training in tech school full time, then I go back home and I only work one Saturday, Sunday, a month, 38 days a year. I said, holy cow, I didn't even know you could do that. Uh, now, obviously, I'm happy that I went active duty because I had an amazing experience and a great time on it. And I met a lot of amazing people. But it, the Air Force Reserve is great for, you know, maybe people that don't want to do it full time or they don't want to leave home or they have a good job lined up or their spouse has a great job and they have family. They, they can still serve just one weekend a month with the Air Force Reserve and the Air National Guard. It's just one Saturday, Sunday a month, uh, two days a month times 12 months, 24, and then 14 days in the summer, we put you on active duty orders for your annual tour. So total of 38 days a year. Yeah. That's awesome. Heck yeah. So sorry, Matt, again, before we wrap this thing up, uh, there's uh -huh. a couple of questions that I like to ask every single person that comes on the air power hour. Uh, the first question that I want to ask is throughout your, your career in the air force and the air force reserve, what is one piece of advice that you have got that they've received 
um, that you carry with you and that you're going to continue to carry with you for the rest of your life? That's, that's a great question. I, I, I can't give you one answer on that one. It's going to be a two-part. The best advice that I ever got uh, was from one of my mentors when I was a uh, firefighter. He said, you are the five people that you hang around with closest. So choose your friends wisely um, because you're always comparing, engaging your life and your dreams and your aspirations around those people that uh, you choose to be associated with. So make sure that you're associating yourself with people that have good morals, um, a good compass, and they're motivated and they're positive thinkers. And that's the second part of my answer. I think you know me pretty well that no matter what life throws at you, any decisions, um, anything that can happen, always try and, and find the most optimistic and positive approach. Um, a great example of that is I didn't want to be a recruiter, right? If I, if I just would have said, nope, I don't want to do it, not give it a chance, I, I probably wouldn't be here today. I wouldn't be nearly as happy. But I said, you know what? Let me just try this and, and see what happens. I, I think that we can make the best of this. So just always try and be positive. Don't don't let the Debbie Downers and the naysayers ever get you down. Always be that light uh, that people can gravitate towards to, to know that you're going to make the situation uh, the best that it can be. Yeah, uh, that's awesome advice. And I do 100% agree. You are almost disgustingly positive. I mean, it is... It is great. You are always, you always have a positive outlook on life and, you know, the obstacles that we, that we have in life. And, uh, it is nice to see that, you know, especially if you're having a bad day, if I can see, uh, you know, Sergeant Madigan's Facebook update and just says, be positive. It's a nice little reminder. And, you know, that's a really, really good quality to have for sure. Thank you, man. I, I appreciate it. Yeah. So the last question that I have for you, is if let's let's do a little role playing okay so i am a brand new airman in the united states air force airman basic chekovich and i'm sitting down with master sergeant jason madigan what kind of advice would you give that brand new airman to be successful in his career you better buckle up it's going to be an amazing ride you're you're going to go places that you never dreamed that you would have went to you're, you're going to get so many milestones and accomplishments along with your other airmen that you're going to serve with that just be thankful for each day um, and make a difference in other people's lives. Don't just make it about you. Um, I know that in any company, you know, civilian or even in the military, if you have other people that are willing to help other people out with their careers and not just make their career about them, you're going to have a really good uh, unit. You're going to have a great office. And your morale is going to be very high. So just try and help other people out as much as you can, you know, treat your neighbor, how, how you would want to be treated. Awesome. Yeah. Sergeant Madigan, uh, that's all I have for you. Do you have anything that you want to add? No, I just, I wanted to say, you know, thank you to you. We've been friends for numerous years. Uh, I've been watching at a distance. I've, I've seen this podcast launch. I remember when I first met you, we used to listen to podcasts. You showed me what a podcast was and, I think it's great that your Air Force journey has has put you in this positions and the reach that you have that you're doing with this podcast and the guests that you've had on that this is one of my all-time favorite shows. And I'm looking forward to uh, seeing all the great things that you accomplish in the future. It's been an honor to be with you, Sergeant Chuck. Oh, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. 
it's uh it's always a pleasure talking to you and you know it's it goes without being said that you know we're lifelong friends because of the air force so i can't i can't thank you enough for that uh air force uh for putting me in the position to uh get to know uh master sergeant jason madigan but sergeant madigan that's all we've got um so again thank you for coming on i appreciate it we will we will be talking soon Hey, thank you. It's been a pleasure doing this podcast with you. Have a great day, Sergeant Check. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Air Power Hour. Take care, friends. Mm-hmm.